Hello, you're very welcome to this podcast from the City of Derry International Choir Festival. This year the festival has gone digital, but we're still singing, we're still talking about singing. And that's what this podcast mini-series is all about. Conversations with people that have a connection to the festival, who've made a contribution over the years, people who are part of our Derry Choir Fest community. My name's Lorcan Doherty, and today's guest is Siobhan Heaney. So Siobhan Heaney is from Derry, conductor of four choirs in the city, founder of Singtonicity, and recipient of the Derry City and Strabane District Council Award for Outstanding Contribution to the Choir Festival in 2019. Siobhan, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lorcan. Glad to be here. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, listening to that list of achievements, you've won awards, you've founded a health and well-being method based on singing, which we're going to talk about later. And you're the conductor of not one, not two, not three, but four choirs in the city. You would think that you must have been doing this all your life, but that's not the case, is it? No, it's not the case. And I'm a a huge sufferer of imposter syndrome, where I think someday I'm standing conducting a choir and someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, I'll take over from here. Always loved music, uh, loved singing, did piano for a few years as a primary school pupil, cried to get to music lessons, cried to get away from music lessons and then probably about maybe 17 years ago, 15, 16, 17 years ago, um, I started taking singing lessons myself and from that then just one thing bounced onto another and hence I'm choir director today which is amazing. And what what made you decide after all those years to go ahead and take a singing lesson? I think, um, well, I obviously made the choice along the way that I was going to be a stay-at-home mum and I was going to raise my family. I had five children and I also had elderly relatives that I looked after. So joining a choir wasn't even a possibility, even though I thought I couldn't join a choir because I I thought it wasn't good enough. I didn't have a good enough voice. So I probably uh, went on that much about wanting to sing and improve my singing that my husband organised singing lessons for me. I always say he organised them, but uh, I paid for every single one of them. Ah, right, okay. And didn't know anything really about the music scene in Derry, just kind of had an idea, was always on the periphery. So we were recommended a singing teacher, which was Caroline Miller, and I'm sure a lot of people will know Caroline here locally. We got on like a house on fire. I thought I might take maybe three, four, five lessons. But she said after the second lesson, would you like to do your grades? Um, so that started me on, you know, the uh, the road to having something behind the voice and saying, well, I've got this certificate. Before that first lesson, Siobhan, were you, how were you feeling before going in? Did you have any idea what it might lead to? or No, no. No, I thought she would probably ask me to sing my party piece. And my party piece always was, as we say here, a camaille. Uh, it was she moved through the fair and I practiced and practiced and practiced. And she never once in all the years I was with her asked me to sing my party piece. So as I said, dear, I'm only here for a bit of fun. 
you know, um, I did not in any way think that it would lead anywhere else, but absolutely thrilled over the moon that it has taken me on the journey that it has. So Caroline suggested that you would take grades and it obviously became something a little bit more serious then. When did you first think about joining a choir? She bullied me into it, basically. Uh, She said, you know, this will be so good for your singing. Go and join a choir. And as it happened, um, my local church, the Long Tower Church here in Derry, their choir, um, they were sort of between choirs in a sense. So they were starting up a new choir and somebody said to me, put your money where your mouth is. So I joined the choir and I remember on the first night that I walked into the rehearsal room in St. Columns Hall, a venue that the festival have used in the past. And I knew I was an alto because Caroline had told me I was an alto, but I didn't know where alto sat. Uh, I didn't really know anything, you know. Um, so there were a few men in before me and I said I was an alto and they said, oh, the altos sit over here. There's none of them there yet, but they'll be in in a minute. It's a bit like the first day of school, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say, after the first rehearsal, I thought, wow, you know, this is just brilliant. I probably grinned from ear to ear the whole way through the choir practice and sang too loud. There's something about singing together that just kind of brings that out in people as you've gone on to discover. Tell us what happened then with the Long Tower. You you joined as a member, but you actually ended up taking over the choir at one point. I did. Uh, about five years later, the um, guy who was the director at that stage was moving on and said to me, you know, I think you could do it. And I thought, there's no way I can do this. And he says, yeah, you can do it. Of course, I'll be there. I'll help you out. You know, I'll be in the background. So I did that. And I have to say at the beginning, I often felt, well, the choir conducted me tonight, you know, because Mm -hmm. I suppose at the beginning I was using repertoire that they knew. And I directed it then for five years. And I think during that five-year period, yes, I learned so much musically, but I think I learned more about leadership with people Um, and that probably was a huge learning curve yes the music has been a huge learning curve for me because I feel that I'm kind of catching up on everybody else but the actual leading people and keeping the choir together and keeping everybody um, I remember reading a book whenever I first started choir I tried to get my hands on as much knowledge as possible and I read a book that said, you know, at the end of a rehearsal, you should ask yourself, have I made eye contact with every singer here tonight? Because they needed to feel valued. And I have to say that was a really good lesson for me because I needed to bring them with me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure what you're saying is very familiar to anyone who's taken a choir. It is obviously about the music, but it's about managing a group of people too. Mm-hmm. Your own personal background, you studied psychology. Do you think that was a help taking your first choir? Yes, without a doubt. I've always had an interest in people. I've always been, you know, if anybody wants to tell their story, I'm there listening. If anybody wants to show me their family photographs, I'm there looking. Uh, I just have that love of just making contact with people. So yeah, I think that was really beneficial. 
And in a strange way, and this might come out the wrong way, because it doesn't mean that the um, first choir that I dealt with had any people with problems with alcohol and drugs, but I worked in Northland's Treatment Centre here in Derry, which is an alcohol and drug rehabilitation centre. And I think just the connection with people at that level as well helped me to lead the choir in a humane way. And how, Siobhan, did you go from the Long Tower to today, where you're the conductor of four choirs? I think realising how much joy I received from music, from singing, first of all, and then from standing in front of the choir, that I thought Derry is known to be a city of music and song, and no better example than the festival that we have now. But I knew that there was a large chunk of the population out there who thought, like me in the beginning, that they didn't have a voice, that they couldn't sing, that they weren't good enough to join a choir. So I wanted to reach out to people like that. And I also wanted to combine, if you like, the psychology aspect of my interest. And that's when I started to develop Syntonicity. So what, how would you describe Syntonicity? I think Syntonicity is a method of looking after your health and well-being through music and song through using your voice to connect with your emotions, to connect on a physical level. We all know that, you know, the voice is very much part of us. I often start a first class by saying we can walk into the room with a smile on our face because we learn as young children, once we go to school, you know, to put a mask on. But when we use our voice, our um, vulnerability comes out really clearly in our voice you know you think you've got a situation under control and you start to talk and you get a lump in your throat or you get really angry so it's just about getting in touch with that voice within yourself and allowing yourself a wee bit of safe time to step out of your comfort zone and what kind of what kind of people come along are they people that have sung before or is it people who have never sung Um, It's a whole mixture and a whole age group from people who are maybe in their 60s, 70s and 80s who say to me, do you know, I once was in a choir in school and they told me to stand at the back of the room and mime and they've carried that with them all their lives. I do a lot of work locally with Derry Well Woman and actually the first choir, community choir, came out of Syntonicity because it was 2013 Derry had the City of Culture And in 2012, we had a project called Exceptional People. So this was projects that were run throughout the communities in the town and city. And I did one actually in Ballymagrorty, which is very near to where I live. And um, we did an eight-week course. And at the end of the course, the people on the course said, what do we do now? Like, Why don't we start a choir? And we had a uh, youth development officer on the ground at that stage who was very active And she basically got the choir together and I directed it. And that's Momentum Community Choir. And we're still going since 2013. That's brilliant. So you set up the Syntonicity classes. People enjoy them so much that they wanted to keep on singing. And Mm -hmm. Momentum was the result of that. And they're still going today. Tell us a little bit about Momentum. Momentum is a community-based choir. Um, No auditions. We're non-competitive. And we're a group of, it's an SAB choir. We've got, on a good night, we've got about eight men, as a lot of choirs experience problems getting men in the door. Um, I threaten that I'm going to go to the local football club some night and and hand out flyers or get people to sign up. That's not a bad idea, down to the Brandywell. There's there's plenty of singing going on there. (laughs) Absolutely, and brilliant singing. 
Um, so we're about 35 um, full-time members. Other people drift in and out. Now, we don't kill ourselves working. We're not killer workers. We practice once a fortnight. Um, and just a great bunch of a great bunch of singers who are desperately keen to get back singing together, as all the choirs are. I'm sure uh, during the lockdown, you have been very busy. I know, and one of the things that Momentum has done is a version of a video version of Hallelujah, which mm. which is available to to view on the Momentum Facebook page, and also it's going to form part of the choral trail at this year's festival. It's a very unique approach to all these videos of choirs singing in lockdown. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, I thought that I needed to man up or woman up, as they say. And, uh, you know, I felt jealous, really, of all the other choirs who were putting on virtual um, videos. And I knew, and if you look online, you know, everybody would tell you, it's going to take over your life, it takes so much time. But I thought, right, I'm game to do this. And I had to encourage the choir to do it. But I've always had an interest. I've always fancied at the back of my mind I would love to do sign language. And as it happens, my husband, one of the girls that works with my husband, her mum and dad are both deaf and dumb. So I knew that, right, okay, there's a way, a link in to where we could kind of maybe incorporate the deaf community. Um, Particularly at this time, I think they're a wee bit left behind. So Rebecca Holmes, who works with my husband, she taught me again, sent me videos. She had to get taught from her dad to have the right way of the words of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. She sent me videos. I minutely dissected those videos to get the right uh, position of my hands and fingers. And then I sent it to the choir and we did virtual training sessions. It was hard. I thought if I get 10 people out of the choir, I will be doing well. And we actually got, I think there was 18 of us in total at the end. Um, Our accompanist is Joseph Deary. And Joe's a fabulous singer and also a fabulous musician. So he played piano and sang, did the vocals on it. And then we all sang to it. And actually, which was a nice story, was one of our um, ladies in the choir had been ill during lockdown and had to require surgery for a, a cancer diagnosis. And she rang me up and she said, Siobhan, I'd love to take part, but I just can't, I can't get my head around it. And I said, can you do the chorus, just the hallelujah? She says, yeah, I can do that. She says, just you do that. You'll not be on the screen the whole time. So it was lovely to incorporate her as well into it, you know. And they got such a sense of achievement, as did I, when we got it all finished. So all we can hear is the accompanist of Momentum Choir, but if you check out the video, and I urge you to do so, uh, you'll see Momentum Choir signing away. It's a really beautiful effect, and it's a beautiful video. So Siobhan, what about the other three choirs? Are you able to get together with them at all online, or have you had to take a little break? So I also direct uh, Song for the Soul which is a choir that's it's quite unique in a sense in that it is a joint project along with the uh, Western Health and Social Care Trust here in, um, in the north of Ireland. And those 
members, the members from uh, Song for the Soul, come through the trust. So they are people who avail of support services for mental health challenges and problems. Um, so they come to me rather than me kind of going out and trying to drum up support for the choir. Look for the We're going now for four years um, and we also have a great collaboration with uh, the Playhouse here in Derry. We practice in the Playhouse, they do the funding applications for us and we use the beautiful space in the Playhouse and they're so supportive to us. We practice, we work a wee bit harder than Momentum, we practice once a week. Um, unfortunately, during lockdown, we haven't been able, because of the way the members come through the trust, we haven't been able to do a virtual sessions with them. So what we did was every month I produce a newsletter and an accompanying CD. And that could, the CD is made up of some of our old songs that we did. Uh, it's made up of breathing and relaxation exercises. And that's proved really successful. And in fact, the Playhouse have just acquired funding so that we can continue that on, which is brilliant. So that at least gives me some way of staying in contact with choir um, because it's vitally important for them. One of the unique aspects of that project is that we get three members of staff from the Trust to come along to rehearsals, which is absolutely fabulous um, as a support system and as a, a help singing as well. It obviously shows how much people benefit from it when the Trust have seconded people to come along for an hour and a half every week, staff members, so that's brilliant. So that's a really nice, that's a really nice experience to have with Song of the Soul. And then the other two choirs, one grew out of the other, in fact. For years I had been trying to do a little bit of work with the Pink Ladies Cancer Support Group here in the town. And I never be able to, to find the right person to make the contact with. And I always tell them that once I actually did get in uh, to work with them, I have never got away from them. They're with me all the time. So the Pink Ladies um, are a group of ladies. Um, and now they also have incorporated the Pink Panthers, although we don't have any men in the choir. It's just a ladies' choir. But they're a cancer support group here in the town. Um, they are a vital support link for people with a cancer diagnosis and they have been instrumental in getting our new state-of-the-art cancer centre here at Altna Galvin. The decision was made many years ago that they weren't going to they were going to um, drop the decision to have the cancer centre here and the girls got on their fur coats and they went over to Altna Galvin with their hard hats and they protested and as a direct result they got the cancer centre up and running. So we have the Pink Ladies Choir that has been going. They've done numerous, they've taken part in the festival as well and they've carried out numerous performances here, there and everywhere. Actually, one of our favourite um, venues, I think, and one of our favourite performances is every year, just about two days before Christmas, we go to the House in the Wells here in the town, which is a wet house for people with alcohol and drug problems. And we do a Christmas sing song. And I have to say, it's only men that reside in, in the house. And they are one of our best audiences. If you could bottle that audience and take them with you, they would be brilliant. And we have a recording here of the Pink Ladies singing Scarlet Ribbons. What's the connection with this song, Siobhan? Scarlet Ribbons, first of all, for me, it has memories of 
uh, when I was young and my aunt lived with us. She was a maiden aunt and she lived with us and she worked in the factories here and Derry is, was renowned for the shirt factories. Phil Coulter's famous song, The Town I Love So Well, talks about the woman going to work, the factory horn calling them to work and the men walking the dogs. So the women in Derry um, are a very strong breed and Scarlet Ribbons, apparently, my aunt taught it to me, as I say, as a child. It was sung by the uh, factory girls. And anybody you talked to who worked in the factories, there was always music, there was always singing. And a great, even to this day, the girls who work together, there's a great camaraderie amongst them. So Scarlet Ribbons was a tribute, really, to the woman of Derry who worked in the factories. So Pink Ladies then, we had an idea um, three years ago that we would do a Celebration of Life concert in the Guildhall and it would just be to say, you know, these ladies are all here. They regard themselves as cancer thrivers, not just survivors. And some of the members in the group are buddies of the girls who've had a cancer diagnosis. So we put on a spectacular concert in Derry's Guildhall and as part of that concert, we decided that we would approach the Cancer Centre staff and see if we could have a choir there that would come on stage and sing with the um, with the Cancer Pink Ladies Choir. Brilliant idea. Yes. And they considered, the Pink Ladies considered these guys, men and women, the staff of the Cancer Centre, to be the people who fixed them. So that's what we did. We went over and we approached the Cancer Centre and we had a choir that sang at that concert. And then again, smitten by the bug, they said, the staff at the Cancer Centre said, well, you know, what do we do now? So it continues on. Again, we haven't been able to do um, anything uh, physically during lockdown, but we have done some Zoom sessions. Pink Ladies, we have a practice every week. They're very diligent and hardworking, so we do that. Cancer Centre, I think with the whole PPE, wearing PPE, when they get home at night time, I think they're just physically exhausted. Mm -hmm. So we've only had a few sessions with them. Mm -hmm. But we keep in touch through WhatsApp and things like that. Mm -hmm. So between Momentum, Song for the Soul, the Pink Ladies and the Northwest Cancer Centre Choir, as well as all your other work, Siobhan, I mean, I take it you don't have any free time at all, do you? Not a lot. (laughs) But you know what, Lorcan? It's like anything. If you love it, it's not work. When I started, because as I said earlier, I was a stay-at-home mum, and when I started Syntonicity, my son said to me, who was a teenager at the time, how long are you going to do this for, mummy? And I said, till it stops being fun. So the fun has continued, and I've been lucky to do that. I haven't had the pleasure yet of going along to a, a synchronicity session, but from what I can understand and from looking a little bit on the website, I think you could probably sum it up basically that singing makes us feel better. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it makes it, it works on so many levels. You know, we know the physical level of um dopamine and serotonin in the brain we know all that that happens we know that the vibrations that you produce and I think that's a key thing for people who consider themselves not to be singers just saying to them you know the vibrations that you produce your body loves it so 
it works on that level. It works on the level, as you said earlier, of the camaraderie, of just standing beside someone and singing. It affects us mentally, emotionally. Um, so it, yeah, it works on all levels. It's and that's that was the thing that I got from naming what I did as syntonicity, because tonicity means being in a tonic state. And if you're in a tonic state, then you're much able to deal with life's challenges um, and look after your health and well-being. And I read on the Synchronicity website a lovely proverb, Zimbabwean proverb. Mm, if you can mm. talk, you can sing. And that kind of sums it up. There, there are cultures where singing is a part of everyday life and singing is something that absolutely everyone does and I think in Irish culture you mentioned a kamal you, you know we do have that tradition as well of everyone doing a turn mm. but you also mentioned that sometimes maybe when people are in school they might have one negative experience with a with a choir director or a music teacher who says oh you can't sing or don't sing this one mm. and that can really put them off for a long time maybe for life absolutely Absolutely. And, you know, the joy that you can get from singing is it's a shame that everybody doesn't get to experience it. You also have not only teachers, but, you know, you might have siblings, you know, or parents who say, you know, that's enough of that or, you know, that's rubbish. And people take this to heart. Therefore, as I said earlier, it's about the vulnerability of using your voice. And it's interesting during lockdown, Lorcan, um, I always struggle with getting men, as I think a lot of choirs do. And the men have found it extremely um, inhibiting to take part in our Zoom practices because they think they can't sing on their own. They don't like to hear their own voice. They miss that camp, you know, that connection with singing with other men beside them. That's just about a vulnerability as well. So it's that's kind of my life's mission to get more men along the way yeah and again i'm sure many uh other choir directors would would agree with you in that Mm. but it just shows you the the importance of singing in a choir together it's a support network too and people people who think that they can't sing on their own and they don't have a great voice get so much out of singing in a choir because Mm -hmm. you have you have that support on your left on your right in front of you Mm -hmm. behind you you, and Mm -hmm. and it it is much easier to sing together Mm, definitely Siobhan, last year you won an award, the Derry City and Strabane District Council Award for Outstanding Contribution to the Festival. Congratulations, very, Thank well, you very de- much. well deserved. Thank you very much. Um, how, was that a surprise or how, how did that feel? Absolutely. Knocked me for six. Knocked me for six. Total surprise. And again, it goes back to this imposter syndrome, you know. And I've always been there uh, in the background in the choral festival. I think I might have missed the first year. The second year I made sure that I was going to be there and been there every year since. So yeah, it was such an honour, I have to say. Um, I was over the moon. And so too were the choirs, you know. I'm sure. Uh, It was lovely for them as well. That conversation with Siobhan was recorded back in September, but a few weeks later we decided to catch up again. Siobhan, it's good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you too, Lorcan. Thank you. And the reason we're having another catch-up is because since I last spoke to you, 
you've had a couple of very special guests chatting away to a load of dairy ones. We have indeed. Uh, with Momentum, wearing my Momentum Choir hat, we are running currently running a project called Our Guest Speaker. And last week we had a guy called Peter Jacobson from Minnesota and he spoke to us about the Alexander technique and singing. So that was very uh, inspiring and we learned lots of uh, new practical postures and things to do with our body, which was great. So then, Lorcan, um, last week, um, our second evening of the guest speakers, we had a huge guest list for two amazing speakers. We had Eric Whitaker, um, who, if you're a singer, you'll certainly heard of Eric Whitaker. Definitely. I don't think there's anyone who sings in a choir that hasn't performed a piece by Eric Whitaker. It's beautiful music. The American choral composer, Grammy Award winning. Yes, indeed. And... We also had his best friend, he told us, Charles Anthony Silvestri, known as Tony to his friends. So we now call them Eric and Tony. And they have just collaborated. They've collaborated many times together. On, I think they said eight or nine uh, pieces for choir. But just recently, um, they have released their latest album called The Sacred Veil which is really a love story, um, a Tony's love story about his wife, Julie, um, who the, the 12 movement piece takes us through when they first met through to her cancer diagnosis at a very young age and to finally her passing at the age of I think she was 35 <clears throat> with two young kids and both Eric and him and Julie's poetry is used in the piece so when I asked them to come along um, and they said yes. First of all, I had to settle myself and I had to keep checking. Did they really say yes? Is it definite? Will they turn up? So we had a, a large call with loads of uh, art, well, my choirs and other singers locally and choir directors. And, you know, some of the guys from the from the festival, which was brilliant. And we had an absolutely amazing call with them. Siobhan, that's it's brilliant. How did it all come about then? Did you just fire off an email to Eric Whitaker? Basically, yes. I just asked. Sometimes if you've got enough cheek, uh, you can be surprised at what happens. But really, um, I've been a huge fan of Eric Whitaker. I think the first time that I became aware of his music was many years ago when I went to a concert in, I think it was either in the Great Hall of McGee here in Derry with the uh, choir uh, under the leadership of Sean Ryan and they sang When David Heard which is one of his early pieces and it just as I said left a mark on my heart so I was hooked from then and my choirs know him because I don't stop talking about him and I said to him twice I've said to him now remind him that he's possibly the only man I would consider leaving my husband of 43 years for <laughs> uh, and he laughed at that so just asked the question and saying you know we're we are doing this project um would love it if they could come along they came right back to me and said yeah I'm sure Eric would have no problem doing that would you also like Charles Anthony Silvestri yes please they were very keen to have a connection with the people on the call they wanted people to ask the questions themselves and right from the word go um they were really down to earth they were they showed their vulnerability 
they talked just like guys that you met last week. You know, they were lovely. No egos involved at all, which was lovely. With everyone doing virtual choirs these days, it was actually Eric Whitaker who actually started the whole trend off years ago before when when no one had even conceived that COVID-19 might come into our lives someday. Absolutely. That's that's really like coming full circle. He was the first. And again, that came from a fan just sending him a piece that she sung. She recorded herself one of his pieces and that he got the idea. Do you think maybe um, now that you've established this connection with Eric, we could try and get him over? Maybe he could even make an appearance at the choir festival? Well, who knows? All I would say, Lorcan, is watch this space. I've told them that I've got spare beds in my house and they're actually made up. (laughs) And how's your Uh, husband feel about it? He's very good about it. He's very understanding. (laughs) Actually... (laughs) Jerry is not, uh, he's not a musician, nor is he a singer. I've often tried to get him to come and join the choirs, um, but to no avail. But we watched the recording afterwards and he just said, that was amazing, you know. So I think whether you're a singer involved in choirs or not, you will get something out of those two guys. Um, And also we had the Pink Ladies Breast Cancer Support Choir that I'm involved with as well on the call. And that was very real for them because Tony was speaking about his wife's uh, diagnosis, her treatment, her desire to get well. And there's a piece, uh, there's lots of, I mean, the whole album is amazing, but there's a piece called I'm Afraid and it puts what the doctor said, I'm afraid we found something. And they put the technical medical jargon or words um, onto the actual prose. And that's just amazing. And to have someone listen to it who's been on that journey as well, it has to be so profound. And so personal, yet at the same time, hits home to so many people as well. Definitely. Well, Siobhan, it's been it's been great to talk to you. you have, there's a few more talks as well coming up. We have next next month in November, actually, and I'll put it on um, our Facebook page and our social media um, applications. We have two ladies coming um, from Total Choir Resources who are based in England, and they're coming to talk about choral singing, confidence levels in choral singing, how we can instill confidence in the singers, and also how we can allow people to make mistakes because that's what rehearsals are all about so they're going to look at um good mistakes you know good failures failure isn't i'm sure there's a few conductors listening you know getting a bit nervous you know good (laughs) mistakes (laughs) well i keep saying to the choirs that's what rehearsals about you know so that's coming up and then just before christmas we're going to do uh we're going to have a speaker on speaking about mental health because during these frightening anxious times i think it's important for us all uh, to look after our own mental health so and then the series will continue in january and february but we'll keep everyone posted definitely siobhan well we'll we'll keep an eye out for them thanks again for talking to us it's been an absolute pleasure thank you larkin it's been lovely and it's been an honor to be part of the city of Derry choir festival thank you